That's harsh work in here, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to be back in Revelation this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, right at the end, the last page of your Bible, most likely is where we're going to be. And we started kind of in Revelation last week. We were in Revelation chapter 5 last week. And we looked at the throne room of heaven. And the throne room, we got this, this vision, this beautiful vision of God on the throne and, and, and all of the multitudes around him worshiping God and, and the Lamb of God, Jesus. And, and all of the worship that goes on and, and how G, only Jesus was worthy of opening the scrolls. And, and so we saw just... That this incredible vision of where we will be someday. Our destination as believers in Christ is heaven. And so we, get, we got this, this beautiful vision of our destination last week. Today, we're going, to, we're going to see that our destination needs to move to a motivation. Because where we're at today, Jesus is talking about our faith needs to change the way we live. Our faith needs to be real enough to change how we live. And that's really the, the, where we're at in Revelation in chapter 22. Again, it's right at the end of, uh, of chapter 22. So, so I want you to think, and if you, you have the, the sermon notes, you, you know it says on the front, destination to motivation. Because... Because our destination should motivate us to live different. Our destination should motivate us to be different. So let's read this. We're going to read Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 12. It is up here behind me. And we're going to go through verse 21. Starting in verse 12, Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the, the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. So let's, let's look first at the context of this. You can see in the context here that Jesus is talking about living differently. He's talking about, in fact, verse, verse 11 that we didn't read just before that says, let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Our faith should change how we live. Our faith should make enough of a difference in our life that we stand out. Our faith needs to change how we live. 
And that's really the context of what Jesus is talking about here. That he, he's, he's exhorting us, he's encouraging us to, to live differently. And in that context is where Jesus says, come. Now that's both an invitation and a command. It's an invitation. He's saying, come, come to him. But it's also a command. In fact, the, in the original Greek, it's an, an imperative. It's, an, it, it's a, a present imperative, meaning it's a command, come. And yet it's an invitation to come, isn't it? And he says here in the context, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And, and how did Jesus start his ministry on earth? He went to his disciples and he said, come, follow me. And so how does he end this? Come. Jesus commands us and invites us to come. He invites us to come to him. All of these, again, are, are present imperatives. So it's, it's essentially saying as a command, come and keep coming. Keep coming. Because he is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the, the only one worthy of opening the scrolls. He is our Savior and our Lord. So we come, and we come to him. And he's saying, come, live with me, walk with me, just as he did to his original disciples in the Gospels. Come, follow me. He's saying, now come, live with me. Walk with me. Come. And so... So we need to be about this message. This is our message to the world. Come. Come to Jesus. Let's look at this phrase by phrase, and we'll look at what it says about God, what it says about us, and what we need to do. So he starts out by saying that both the Spirit and the bride say, come. Jesus truly wants you to walk with him. He truly wants you to live with him. You, you realize Jesus is the designer, creator, and sustainer of life. He is the giver of life. And so if he designed it, it probably is going to go best if we live it his way. This just makes sense, right? How many of you have used a pocket knife or a kitchen knife as a screwdriver or a pry bar or to open a can? All of us, right? All of us have. Now, how does it do in that job? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work as well as it cuts because it's designed to cut. If we use it according to its design, it, a knife is a great... If we use it against its design, it, it does damage. I have... Uh, how, many, how many of you have pocket knives at home with no tips on? Yeah? Yeah, a few of us. Quarter-inch shorter knife now. Because I used it against this design. That if we live life the way the designer gave it to us, it goes much better. It doesn't break. <laughs> it doesn't get broken and, and chipped off. Life works when we live it according to his design. And Jesus is saying, come live with me. Come walk with me. And so what does it say about us? It says the bride, and the bride is the church. Now, Keep in mind, when I say church, I'm not talking about a pile of sticks and bricks. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. Around the world and through history, 
we have believers as the church. So what this tells us is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, are both saying, come. Come to Jesus. Our mission as a church needs to be about telling people to come to Jesus. It needs to be about inviting people to Jesus. That's what we need to do, not only in this church, but as a church, every believer everywhere. We need to be about inviting people to come live life the way you were meant to live it. Live life with Christ. Our destination of heaven needs to become our motivation to bring others with us. We know what, a little bit about what heaven is, is going to look like. We've seen a little of it in, in Revelation 4 and 5, 6. We see this great, awesome worship service. We, as I said last week, we have just a, a sliver of that on Sunday mornings when we're in a worship service here. We have just a sliver of what heaven's going to be like. We need that destination to become our motivation to talk to people about Christ. We need to invite others to come to Christ. We need to be about this message, this, this mission that says, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let anyone who hears, come. Jesus speaks to those who have an ear to ear. He, he talked about this uh, in Mark 4, right after the parable of the sower. He said, let those who have ears hear. We are, we are going to hear God if we're listening. Now, what does this take to hear from God? What does it mean that, that, that we need to have ears to hear? Well, part of it means, comes from the first part. We need to be walking with Christ. Because if we're not walking with Christ, we are not going to hear him. We need to be walking with Christ. We need to be living with Christ. We need to be empowered by Christ. And then we'll hear him. Then we're going to hear his voice. Now, it also means that we need to be following Christ because we can get far enough away that we can't hear him anymore. We can get far enough away from Christ that we no longer hear his voice. We need to be close enough. We need to be walking with him closely enough that we hear his voice. And we need to do it when we hear it because we can, be, we can numb ourselves we can cause deafness in, a spiritual deafness in ourselves by hearing what God wants us to do and not doing it. When you're constantly telling God, yeah, I know that's what you say, but I don't want to, at some point you're no longer going to hear his voice. You cause your own spiritual deafness. We need to be about following Christ so that we hear when he tells us. Life is designed and given by Christ. We need to live it his way. And we must listen and follow. Now, every parent in this room knows the difference between hearing and listening. Right? And everyone here who is ever a child knows the difference between hearing and listening. If you hear God, you need to listen to it. <laughs> when you hear God's, God telling you, to do something, we need to do it. We need to be about his work. We need to be about telling others to come, and we need to be about following him. Let the one who is thirsty come. 
God loves you enough to quench your thirst. Now, why do you think it's thirst that's used in this context, not hunger? Because we can, we can ignore hunger pains, can't we? We can ignore those. We can, we can think, get, get my mind off of this. If anybody here has ever been on some sort of diet of any kind, whether it's for surgery or to lose weight or whatever, you can, you can set aside hunger pains, but you cannot set aside thirst. Thirst is, it, thirst is there until you quench it. Thirst is there and the only thing on your mind until you quench it. And, and God loves you enough that he gives you the spirit to quench your thirst. When he talks about the living water here, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about it in John 4 and John 7. He talks about the Holy Spirit that, that Christ himself would give that would, that would quench your thirst forever. If you're thirsty for God, you will be, you will, your thirst will be quenched. You will be satisfied. So we must have a thirst for God. We must thirst for the life that Christ has for us the way he designed it. We must thirst to have the life that God intended us to have so that we can live it in his power. Understand here that God didn't just send down a bunch of rules and say, follow this, and I'll talk to you. He gave us the power to live in the Holy Spirit. We come to Christ, we, we, we surrender our lives to Christ, and we are immediately empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the life we were intended to make. We just need to listen. We just need to follow. We just need to be about his mission, building his kingdom, not our own kingdom. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I'll say again, God gave us the power to live. He gave us what we need to live the life he intended us to have. We just have to take it. We just have to thirst for it. We just have to want it, desire it. Realize uh, when it talks about thirst, that's a, a, an incredibly earnest desire for something. If we thirst for Christ, he will satisfy. He will satisfy. And we will have the life we were intended to have. We, we will live the life we, we were meant to have. So what we must do is drink freely, early and often, as they, as they always say about voting. <laughs> Drink freely, every day. Do you, do you figure at some point throughout the day, well, I made it this far, I don't need the Holy Spirit now. I hope not, <laughs> because we need it all the time. We need the Holy Spirit all the time. We need that wa living water all the time empowering our life, empowering us to live the life we were meant to have. So how do we do this? Well, the, the, the context tells us that, that the way we do this is that, to, that the way we have a consistent life of saying come is by focusing on the word of God. The, the, the verses right after our, our key verse this morning, 
talk about adding to and taking away from. We need to be focused on the true word of God. We need to be focused on what God has to say. We need to be about that in our lives. And then we need to focus on the biblical Jesus. Now I say that because it's easy for us to to make up our own Savior. It's easy for us to, to decide, well, I know Jesus says this, but I think he probably only meant that back then. It doesn't really apply to me today. That's not how the Bible works. The Word of God is truth. And we, if we focus on the truth, and we focus on the true biblical Jesus, then we will be walking with him. And we will, our lives will be saying, come, come to Jesus. So, for a while, there has been a, uh, for several months, there has been a, a slide on our announcement loop that's, that says, who's your one? Now, well, I started this some time ago, and it's not my brainchild. It's, it's from uh, uh, North American Mission Board. But the focus here is on who's your one? Now, what I mean, what, what this means is, will you ask God to put one person in, that's in your circle of influence on your heart. Somebody that, that you work with or one of your neighbors or a family member or whoever it might be that you know that, that, you would, that God would put them on your heart. God put someone in my circle of influence on my heart that I need to share the gospel with, with this person. And then you, you pray every day that God give you the opportunity Give me the opportunity to share the gospel, to say, come to Jesus sometime. Then you ask God for the discernment or the wisdom to know when that opportunity happens because have you ever thought an hour later, there it was. There was my opportunity. Ask God for the wisdom to know when that opportunity is. And then ask God for the courage to speak when you, have, when you know the opportunity is there. Would you commit to doing this? Think about how it changes the world if you share the gospel with one person this month. How does that change the world? Jesus began by saying, come follow me to 12 guys. You and I and every Christian church in the world are a result of those 12 guys. So if, I got, if we got half of the people in this room to commit, make this commitment, God, give me, put somebody on my heart that I can share the gospel with. Give me the opportunity. Give me the discernment, the wisdom to know when that opportunity is and give me the courage to speak when I have the opportunity. If half of this room committed to this, it would change the mountain. And the mountain would change the world. So I'm going to ask that you make that commitment. Will you make a commitment to who's your one? Will you commit to praying that God would place somebody in your heart that you need to share the gospel with? Would you make the commitment to praying every day for that opportunity and for the wisdom to know when that opportunity is there?
and for the courage to speak when the opportunity arises. Will you make that commitment? Maybe this morning you need to make your first commitment to Christ. Maybe this morning you're seeing this, Jesus saying, come, and you're realizing you have never come to him. You can this morning. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and just answer the, this, this simple question. Have you come to Jesus? Do you know Jesus personally? Are you walking with him? Because you can. It's, it's as simple as a prayer. We, we just simply say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died on that cross to pay my price. And so I am going to come this morning. I come to you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of our deacons know. Elbow your neighbor. Tell them that you came to Jesus today. Maybe this morning you are a Christian. But you're, if, you, if you look back over the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been about coming to Jesus. It hasn't been about living an empowered life. It's been about building your own kingdom. Will you take this moment right here to recommit to living the life you were intended to have? Will you take this moment to commit to who's your one? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that that Jesus invites us to come. We thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to live an empowered life. Help us to be different today because of this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.